all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ, and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologist-recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost Water Gel Facial Moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd, only at BJ's. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, the People's Bishop and Pastor of Harvest Church. We exist to lead people to totally love God, love people, and love life as one church in global locations. Find out more on our website at www.harvestchurch.church or get our app by texting the word HARVEST to the number 877-552-4746. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in the app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Now, here's today's life-giving message. Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. It's right there at the bottom of the screen. I am blessed because the life-giving message I'm about to hear will change what I do. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we bless you and honor you. Have your way in this experience today. We are open and we are ready. We are open and we are ready. God, I come against any spirit that would try to block, stop, hinder, or impede the flow of God. And we thank you, Lord, that this atmosphere is ready. We clear the atmosphere. We clear the atmosphere in the building and online. And we say we are open to receive the word of God. You said your word is life. Speak life to us. That's why we don't call it a sermon. We call it a life-giving message. Speak life to us right now. You said your word is like the bread of life. Feed us right now. You said your word is like a sword, a double-edged sword. That means it cuts. Cut away what needs to flee from us. Cut away bad mentalities. Cut away bad ideologies and have your way in us. If you're ready for this word, I need you to worship God right in your seat or right at home, wherever you're at for five seconds. Go. Five. Four. Come on. 11, 15. Three. Hallelujah. Two. Hallelujah. One. Say this. Say, I'm ready. He's ready. Let's go. So our summer series has been the kingdom in you to learn what Jesus gives us after we give our lives to him. Everybody pay attention. Salvation is not the ending. It's the beginning. At Harvest, we use the word decision, but the word decision, the term born again, the term salvation, all of those mean the same thing. Once I give my life to him, I now need to know what he gives to me. Some people get frustrated in their Christian walk because after they get Jesus, they don't know what Jesus gives them. And it's very frustrating to be in a relationship with somebody and not understand what it is you're getting from that somebody. See, watch me. You gave your life to him, but now there's something that he wants from you. 
You gave your life to him. There's something that he wants for you to do. Can I let you know that? Watch me. Your life is not over. How do I know that? Because you still have a pulse, which means God still has a plan. If he has kept you alive to this day, that means you've still got more life to live. You got places to go. You got people to see. You got things to do. You got lives to change. Here's what I'm excited about. That your past doesn't represent your highest life. I'm so excited that your future looks way better than your past. And for many of us, watch me, the last half of 2021 is going to be way better than the first half of 2021. Say, I'm still alive. On purpose. For purpose. The Bible says that your days are numbered, which means every birthday you count up, heaven counts down, which means, watch me, let me tell you why cancer couldn't kill you, wasn't your number. Let me tell you why corona couldn't kill you, wasn't your number, which means you're not done, which means God says if you're still in the earth, there's still something for you to do. And this summer series has been extracting that out of you because once we give our lives to Jesus, he then gives us something called the kingdom. And the kingdom has three basic components. Number one, it's becoming who God says we are and possessing what God God said we can. I've been drilling this over the summer so that you would master this. Why? Jesus never preached himself. He preached the kingdom. Pay attention to what I said. In American Christianity, people say, this get Jesus in your heart, bro. Jesus never said that. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, I'm giving you something called the kingdom. In other words, if you love Jesus, love what's important to him. And what's important to him is what he put in you. And what he put in you is called the kingdom. You are becoming who God says you are. Watch me. Which does not match who you thought you were going to be. For some of you, I need you to get rid of who you planned on being. Because who God is making you into is way better than that who God's making you into is way bigger than that. I need you to let go of what you hoped you would become and embrace who he's making you into because who he's making you into is better than what your plan was in the first place. I'm so glad he crushed your dream. I'm so glad he crushed your plan. Why? He's got a bigger one. And he's got a better one. Open up your mouth. Say, I am becoming. I am. And whenever you are becoming something, here's the challenge, the quandary that you face is that I'm not quite where I want to be, but I'm not quite where I used to be. I am always becoming. Watch me. There's never going to be a day where you feel like I've arrived. There's never going to be a day where you arrive in any area or segment of your life. Can I let some pressure off of you? Stop beating yourself up because you haven't arrived. The day you arrive, you no longer need to be alive. Every day, watch me, I'm not in competition with anybody else. Let me tell you who you're in competition with. Yesterday's version of yourself. Baby, I'm just trying to be better on Sunday than I was on Saturday. And my Saturday version better than my Friday. My Friday version better than my Thursday. My Thursday better than my Wednesday. My Wednesday better than my Tuesday. My Tuesday better than my Monday. My Monday better than my Sunday. I'm competing with myself. This is why you never have to hate on anybody else. Why? Because I ain't in competition with you. Matter of fact, elbow somebody next to you and say, I want you to win. I want why your win doesn't take away from mine. Matter of fact, when you win, watch me, I won. This is the 1115. I need to see where some of y'all live, where some of y'all came from. Because there's a street code that says, watch me, if one of us wins, all of us win. I need you to look up and down your road and just say, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning. You are sitting next to a world changer, a curse breaker, a history maker, a line crosser. Woo! Fist pop up and say, go on and win, go on and win. 
You are becoming who God says you are. Watch me. And here's the kingdom. You're possessing what God says you can. This is bigger than material possessions because you can have material possessions and never actually possess them. They possess you. So what does this mean? You need to possess your right mind because there's some people who you're going to meet that are losing theirs. You need to possess joy because there's some people you're going to meet that are depressed and anxiety and sad and your life is going to bring them back to life. Let me let you in on a secret. Here's the reason so many people are drawn to you and you're like, why do they keep coming to me? Why people keep asking me? Because they can see that you are manifesting the kingdom. Let me say it another way. They can see that you possess something that they need. I need you not to run from your assignment, but baby, I need you to run into your assignment. In other words, I'm a distribution center. I got it so I can give it. I possess it so that I can distribute it. Uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, watch me, the military leader, here's what he said. Every leader is a dealer in hope. Watch me, I need you to look at somebody and tell them this, say you're a hope dealer. No, not a dope dealer. You are hope dealer. Every time people come around you, they feel better. Every time people come around you, they're stretched to be better. If, if you know that you're a hope dealer, I need you to give God glory for three seconds. Go, three. I got hope so I can give it. I got faith so I can give it. I've got peace so I can give it. Shout hope dealer. Well, watch me. I'm becoming who God says I am. I'm possessing what God says I can. And then here's the second component of the kingdom. It is God's modus operandi. We refer to that in urban vernacular and, excuse me, contemporary vernacular, rather, is uh, someone's modus operandi, their, their M.O. And God's M.O. is that he does things different. He says, as far as the heavens are from the earth, so is my, my thoughts from your thoughts, my ways from your ways. God says, I do things on a whole nother level. See, here's why it's so important that you understand this that God is not working at your level he's working above your head which is important what does this mean because if I am looking at life and its challenges and its vicissitudes from my level I'm not operating according to the kingdom I am not operating according to him is his mo I'm operating according to my mo the problem is my mo is too low because see, what you think may be the worst thing that could ever happen for you, watch me. I've discovered that God's MO is that he'll take the worst and he'll make it work. He will take what was meant for evil and what does the Bible say? He'll turn that thing. For about 20 of y'all in this building and about 50 of y'all online, on the second half of this year, you're about to see some things why? That's how he does what he does when he does what he does. He turns it around. He turns it around. He turns it around. He turns it around. He turns. Watch me. Here's what's, here's what's cool about turning it around. Say, what's cool, Bishop? Here's what's cool about turning it around. See, right now, from the where you're looking at it, all you see is black. All you see is dark. But watch me. But watch me. God's MO says, I'm going to turn it around. To make it work together for your good. I, I, I need you to hear that. I need you to hear that. In other words, what was dark, all of a sudden now, it's starting to light up. It's starting to light up. And for some of you, your career path looked dark, but it's about to light up. Your relationship prospects look dark, but it's about to light up. Your money was looking funny, but it's about to light up. You were concerned about your children, but it's about to light up. 
Some of y'all wonder what all those colors are. That's, that's for production, so they know what to do. Watch me, take this out, take this out. God's modus operandi, this is the kingdom. So God says, I do things different. Like we think, get all you can, can all you get. God's MO is like, no, release. Like whatever you want, release it. Your increase is in your release. That's his MO. God is a giver. So God says, watch me, let me if you're stingy, look, can I tell you something? You may like God, but you don't love him yet. Because if you love him, we take on his nature. And his nature is to be a giver. That's his nature. He's a giver. For God so loved the world that he, he keeps giving us grace and mercy. And you want to know how often he does it? Every day. Every new morning. New mercies. Mercy is when he blocks the negative I do deserve. And grace is when he gives me something good that I do not deserve. He keeps on giving to you. He gave you another chance. He gave you breath in your body. He gave you hands to be able to work. He gave you a mind to be able to think. Watch me. He gave you the ability to get over your trauma. Y'all ain't going to be quiet in this building. He gave you the ability to survive what killed other people. He gave you the... And he keeps on giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. So if he's a giver, who in the world are we not to be? So, so watch me. His MO. He says, I'm a giver. So, so here's what we think. If you've ever been hurt, here's what you think. If you've ever been hurt, anybody ever been hurt in a friendship? Anybody ever been hurt in a relationship? If you ain't been hurt, then you ain't live. Right? And if you've never been hurt, let me let you know a secret. You don't want hurting people. <laughs> but the truth is, I know you've been hurt if you're hurting people because the only people that can hurt are people that are hurting. Run that back and you'll get it. All right, watch me. Check this out. Watch that. Check, check, check this. God says, all right, I know that, um, that you've been hurt, all right? but you, you want some godly friends. Huh? So you're going to have to release being friendly. You're going to have to release being nice when everything in you wants to mean mug. Uh, why y'all? You're going to have to release being kind when everything in you wants to cuss. Y'all are too quiet. Why? That's God's MO. God says, whatever you want, you got to give it up first. Because whatever you have is a seed. And when I release it, it produces a harvest. It leaves my hand. It doesn't leave my life. Number three, it's heaven's attributes in the earth. And I've been drilling this week after week after week. If you're, if you're brand new to the series, go back and listen to it. Because I teach this to you scripture by scripture for each one of these points. Today, I just want to highlight them for the sake of today's message. Number three, it's heaven's attributes in the earth. Now, when we say this, this doesn't mean angels coming down and descending uh, back and forth and wings flapping and bright light everywhere with a great throne of gold and all that. Heaven's attributes are very practical. Three basic words I've given you that we looked at from Romans 14, 17. You remember what they are? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Quick recap. Righteousness means right with God, right to God. So if I'm manifesting the kingdom, that means I make things around me right with God, right to God. I make things in me right with God, right to God. See, it may not seem right to you, but watch me, it's right to God. Here, here's the whole concept of Christianity. It is not me putting God in my box to feel good. It is God pulling me out of my box to be good. Here it is. It is not that I'm sinless. It is that I sin less. 
Because I want to do what's right to God, and I want to be right with God. Righteousness, peace. Peace is this Hebrew word shalom. We use it harvest often. That means nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. Can you say it with me? I need you to say it at my same speed. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. Some of y'all, come on. Come on, you want the Lord to use you. You got to talk fast. Let's go. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. Shalom. Now, here's the deal. Shalom, watch me. If you look at that concept, if you look at your life and you say something's missing, you need to look again. I'm going to say it again. If you look at your life and say something's missing, you need to look again. Let me give you a very pragmatic example. See, because when you're manifesting the kingdom, you are shalom. There's nothing missing. There's nothing lacking. There's nothing broken. Everything is well. Here's what you might say. Bishop, I have all of these open spaces in my life. Something's missing. Here's what you're not understanding. You currently have an occupant in the space. God says, while there's no person there, I'm sitting in that seat to teach you what you need in that seat so that you don't put the wrong person in that seat once I free that seat up in your life. I need you to open your mouth, say nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. All right, you got it? You got it? You need to look again. If you keep going through the same thing, instead of saying, I you need to stop and say, okay, God, wait a minute. Nothing's missing. So if this is repeating, this is fixing something. If this is repeating, there's something I didn't get the first time around. Which means instead of cursing the repeat, let me go on and learn the lesson so I get some results. And you're sitting next to somebody, you're chatting with some people that are about to have the best results of their entire life. I'm so glad you didn't commit suicide. I'm so glad you didn't quit. I'm so glad you didn't give up. I'm so glad you didn't end it. Why? You're about to see God blow your mind. And the second half, it'll be greater than the first half. Let's go. So listen, where is this kingdom at? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Uh, I gave you peace. Let me give you joy. Joy has two different meanings. Again, I've already taught you this. Just doing a quick recap. Joy means to be glad and great. Glad, watch me. I taught you it means that when you're manifesting the kingdom, you pick your emotions. In other words, you don't let your situation punk you. You punk it. Let me borrow a line from Pops and Boomerang. Reverse it. Instead of letting them emotions punk you, you got to punk them emotions. Translation. You can go through something that makes you mad, but in that moment, you have to pick your emotion. And here's what somebody said, Bishop, I can't help it. I just feel some type of way. I can't help how I feel. No, you can't help what happened, but you can help how you feel about what happened. Because instead of sitting up and being mad and hollering and screaming and throwing stuff and breaking stuff, listen, instead you can say, watch me, this is the day that the Lord has made and I shall rejoice and be made glad in him. Which means anything that came to me in the day, even if it makes me mad, I choose to be glad. Why? Because he made the day. So if he put it in the day, evidently there's something in it I need to get out of if that's the reason why it's in my day. Run that back in case you need to. That's the bottom line, Bishop. Anything I face, my choice to be glad is my choice. Anything I deal with, I choose to rejoice. Anything I'm going through, I choose to give them glory. For everybody in this building and everybody online, where you're going through something where you could be mad, but today you're choosing to be glad, make your choice. Make your choice. Make your choice. Come on, Facebook. Come on, YouTube. Come on, Harvest Channel. Come on, Periscope. Come on, Twitter. I make my choice. Bishop, these kids, make your choice. Bishop, my spouse, make your choice. 
Bishop, my job, make your choice. Make your choice. Make your choice. Bishop, but you don't know the pressure I'm under. Pressure isn't designed to kill you. Pressure is designed to get something up out of you. Make your choice. Make your choice. Make your choice. Elbow somebody say, make your choice. Make your choice. Uh -huh. And if they won't elbow you, just, 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 just go on and skip over them and get you somebody else so that agree with you and say, make your choice. Make your choice. To be glad and great. Righteousness, peace, and joy. These are heaven's attributes. So it's not some weird, oh, no. The angels don't even sound like that. Bible says all day long they're crying holy, 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 holy. For those of you who say, I like it quiet, then you ain't going to go. Listen, you might as well go to hell now, Lynn, because you ain't going to be able to go to heaven because in heaven all they do is make noise. Make some noise up in That's all they do. Bible says from the moment you come in, it's a party. That's why I need you to get used to having celebration. Why? Our God has overcome and he's never been defeated. I need you to get used to partying. Why? Because that's what the Bible says it's like in heaven. Party. And this is how we do it. Go. One more time. Last time. Go. All right. Stop. So listen. To be glad and great. Is what that word joy means. And, and great means everything you do, you should do it well. Your fingerprint should be excellence. And can I tell you how you know you're excellent? Is that people who are average hate you without cause. Here's what they do on your job. Ugh, why are you doing all of that? If she sees you doing that, she's going to make me do it. Good. I didn't come here to please your average behind no how. I came here to do what I do well. Because everything that I do, I'm not doing it unto man. I'm doing it unto God. I'm not doing this paperwork for you. I'm doing it for God. I'm not on this job for you. I'm doing it for God. I Say everything I do. Say it. Everything I do. I do it well. All I do is win. See, here's what's amazing. Even as a Christian, when you fail, you win. What do you mean when I fail, I win? Because what we did is we learned. <laughs> so here's the beauty of loving the Lord. That's why Romans 8.28 says he makes all things work together. He'll even make your failures work for you. you watch me. You so cold that even when you fail, heaven says, win. Why? We're about to use that and make it work for their good. Let's go. So where is this kingdom at? Luke 17, 21. It is in you. So there's something in you that's designed to change what's going on around you. And I've taught you, here's what you were born, born, born for. Here's what you were born for. Here's what you were born for. If anybody's ever wondering, why am I on earth? Why am I here? Listen, you can YouTube it all day long. You can read books about it all day long. You can look up other people's reasons for living all day long. Or you can realize that God has been very clear. That you were born to manifest his kingdom in the earth. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in your mother's womb. Which means life existed before conception. You were with God before you got a body. He says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I sanctified you. Which means before you ever had a body, before you ever had skin, before you ever had color, before you ever had pigmentation, before you ever had hair, before you had teeth, before you had feet, before you had hands, before you had arms, before you had elbows, knees and toes. God says, I made you for a specific reason. 
which means, watch me, when I sent you to the earth, I was not sending you there to pay bills and die. I was not sending you there to have babies and die. I was sending you there so that what I put in you, which is the kingdom, you would manifest around you. So that instead of trying to die to get to heaven, you are living well to bring heaven down here. Say, I was born to manifest the kingdom in the earth. Now, what does that mean practically? Revelation eleven fifteen makes it practical. The Bible says, and the kingdoms of this world, any kingdom that has ever existed or that exists now, it has these seven things in it. So when we look at these seven things, these represent the entirety of what must be present in every kingdom. So when we get these seven, we get the world. Jesus says, go ye into the world. Watch it. Go you into these seven. Because if we run these seven, we run the world. The kingdoms of this world, arts and entertainment. See, some, watch me. You're already active in arts and entertainment, some of you. Business, church of spirituality, family, education, government, and media. See, everybody listening, everybody watching, everybody on replay, everybody on demand, you're already in one of those areas. Watch me. Not as punishment, but on purpose. I'm going to say it again. Not as punishment, but on purpose. I'll say it one more time. Not as punishment, but on purpose. It says they have become the kingdoms of our Lord. Who's that talking about? It's talking about Jesus and of his Christ. Christ, I have taught you, is not Jesus' last name. Christ is a title. In the New Testament, it's the word Christos. Old Testament, it's the word Moshiach, which means Messiah. Check this out. It means the anointed one, his anointing, his anointed. Check this out. He's the anointed one. Check it out. But we are his anointed. How do I know I'm his anointed? Watch me. You are his anointed because you were able to survive a crushing. How do you get, let me, let me make it clear. Anointing is represented by the anointing oil. If you read the scripture, it was a very important thing. In fact, on Friday Night Fire, we're going to anoint everybody. That's, that's present in the building. Let this out. Uh, the anointing, the Bible says, breaks the yoke. A yoke was a wooden instrumentation that was used to connect two ox together. So what the anointing does is say, I can't change you, but I can break my connection to you. I can't change the situation, but I can break my connection to the situation. Come here, come here, come here. So, so watch me. Uh, if you were yoked together, that means you had a wooden instrument that kept you yoked. And some of you, watch me, you've been yoked to negative thinking. You've been yoked to generational curses. You've been yoked to bad ideology. You've been yoked to thinking you're not good enough. You've been yoked to being a casual Christian. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing. You've been yoked. But what the anointing does is the Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke, which means I couldn't break it, but I can break my connection to it. And for some of you, there's some stuff that you've been yoked to that is about to let you go. I need you to lay your hands on yourself and say, it's letting me go. So check this out. Christ, kings of the world, have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. So watch me. Christ, the anointed one, his anointing and his anointed. Put it on the screen. His anointing is the anointed one and his anointed. So take this out. When you look at this, pay attention, pay attention. You are his anointed. How do you get anointing oil? You crush an olive. The olive doesn't die. The olive evolves. I'll say it again. The olive does not die. The olive evolves. Well, what do you mean it evolves? Because it looks pretty flat to me. See, God had to let certain things in your life be crushed. Because you thought that was the highest and best version of yourself. But he needed, watch me, to get some oil out of you. 
olives are cheap, olive oil is expensive. How is it the same thing, the same root substance in one form is inexpensive, a few cents a, a can, but in another form it's expensive, why? Because it survived the crushing process. And some of you, you don't even recognize how anointed you are. Bishop, how do I know that I'm anointed? Because you had some stuff in your life that was crushed. You had some stuff in your life where pressure came on you and you felt like it was killing you. Guess what? It did kill that version of you so that a new version of you could come out. I need you to thank God. Listen, we are gathered here. Let's have a funeral. What's the funeral for? The old version of yourself. Let's have a funeral. Let's bury the old you. Let's have a funeral for who you used to be. Then I go from being solid, solid, an olive solid, but that olive can't access every place. I have anointing oil in my bathroom. I have it in my home. I have it in my office. I have it in my car. I have anointing oil everywhere. And no matter how tight we screw it, you know what I've noticed? It always seeps out. You can't keep the oil locked up. So when you went through a crushing, God says, I got oil out of you, which means you're anointed for that. Let me tell you why there's things that stress other people out that don't stress you out. You're anointed for it. What does anointing mean? It's when God gives you his super to your natural. He gives you the grace to deal with it. See, while other people are saying, I don't know how you do that. Can I tell you? It's because I'm anointed for it. They say they don't know how you you uh, you're a single parent, you're anointed for it. They don't know how you deal with all those employees, you're anointed for it. They don't know how that you haven't lost your mind. I'm with the anointed people, please stand up. If you ain't anointed, sit down, don't move. But if you know you're anointed, I need you to get on your feet and give God a praise. You anointed, you anointed. You anointed, you anointed. I survived the crushing. I survived the crushing. You can be seated. Listen, listen, y'all with me? No, no, no. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. The anointed one is anointed. That's us. Which means the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and ours. Say this. Say, I'm Christ in the earth. Now, now, for some of you, that, that almost sounds sacrilegious because all this time you thought that was Jesus' last name. It's not. Watch me. You titles are earned. And watch me. After all you've been through, you've earned the oil that you have. That's why you can speak to people in their situation and they're stressed out about it. And you'll say, listen, we just prayed about it. I'm not worried about it. Why? I've earned the anointing. I've earned the authority to speak to that. Let's go. So, and he shall reign, how long? Forever and ever. So, he reigns, what? Through us. The word reigns, it means prevails. The word reigns, it means prevails. Say he prevails through us. Now, prevails is not prevailed, it's prevails, which means it's perpetual prevailing. It's perpetual prevailing. What does that mean? My life will be a series of battles that will add up to war that I win. For those of you who feel like color purple, all my life I had to fight. Let me let you in on something. You have. And can I tell you something else? You got more fighting to do. Don't, don't get this kingdom message twisted as that everything is about to be tipped on through the tulips and everything's going to be perfect. No, you're going to have some warfare. You're going to have some enemies. You're going to have some obstacles. You're going to have some demons. You're going to have some family folk. You're going to have some friends. But guess what? You will prevail. Yeah. 
I just need you to get excited about the fact that no matter what comes your way, you will prevail. Shout, I will prevail. He prevails. He wins through us. This is what the scripture says. And watch me. To reign, you must train. And God's training center is the church. Sometimes people refer to the church as a hospital. And that's not inaccurate, but it's incomplete. Because at a hospital, when you get well, you leave. And the concept of church is not that I'm going through something. I got to be in church on Sunday. Let me help you. We do not train just because something went bad. We train because there's certain things that never have to go bad. Y'all ain't going to talk. You, you, watch me. You, you train, not watch me, so that you prevent a heart attack, not just because you had one. You'll catch it in a minute. You, you train in the gym because you want to be healthy, not because you got a negative report. Watch me. Once it gets to that stage, that means you got to do extra work just to get to normal. And for everybody that's been faithful, I need you to hear me. Don't you compare your life to somebody else's. Because if we checked you in the spirit, baby, you got a clean bill of health. Right? <laughs> to reign, you must train. So think about it. Think about it. You go to the gym, you train. Uh, you're going to do a marathon, you train. Nobody, well, I won't say nobody because perhaps it's somebody. You will try to go run a 10-mile marathon and, and you ain't done a one-mile walk. All right, all right, all right. Any mechanics in the room? You like to work on cars? Anybody like that? Okay, no car workers. Okay, there's one, two. Oh, no, he put it, he said, no, not me, not me. He said, no, Bishop, take me to the jiffy and the lube. Just gas. Listen. He said, look, I'll fill it up. He said, once y'all get that oil changed, now I'll fill it up. Now, yeah. yeah. Now, now, let's see. Let's see. Train means I'm perpetually preparing. I'm perpetually preparing. And once I reach one level, I, I have a new goal because there's another level. No wonder the Bible says he takes you from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from level to level, which means God says, I need you to keep training because once you master this level, I need to raise you up to another level. So his training center is the church, Matthew 16, 18. On this rock, I will build my church. No wonder the enemy wants to keep you out of church, keep you mad at church, mad with God. Why? Because you can never train, which means you'll never be able to reign. You will never be able to prevail because hell prevails against those that can't prevail over it. How do you know that, Bishop Foreman? It's on the screen. On this rock, I will build my church. The church is not a building. And we live in this hybrid world now. Watch where we've got on campus, we've got online. Say hybrid. So the church, watch me, but it was never a building because in the book of Acts, there was no building specifically that they were locked down to. They would meet over here. They would meet over there. They would meet everywhere. God's church is so powerful that no matter where we are, we're still a church. If we come on Facebook, we still a church. YouTube, we still a church because the church is called out people. I'm so glad God called you out. You have always been different since you were a kid and you know it. You know it, your mama and them know it, your daddy and them know it, watch me. Everybody knew it, which is why for many of you, you were always treated different because they knew that you were different. Why? 
God called you out. He called you out of darkness into light. He called you out of anxiety, called you out of depression, called you out of Islam. I'm going to preach like I want to now. He called you out of atheism, called you out of being an agnostic, called you out of nation of Islam, called you. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. He called you out of some stuff. He called you out of being a God to yourself. He called you out of saying, I don't believe. He called you out. Say, he called me. He called you out. So this is the church, called out people. Whenever called out people gather together, it's the church. Look at somebody say, he called you out. And can I let you in on a secret? They look great today, don't they? They look amazing. They look like new money, don't they? They look like the second half going to be better than their first half. But if you knew what he called them out of, let's testify. There's still some stuff. He's still... I may not be where I want to be, but I can thank God that I'm not where I... He's calling, he's calling, he's calling, he's calling, he's calling, he's calling, he's calling. Pick up the phone, pick up the phone. (laughs) So, Jesus never said he would build the kingdom. He says, I put the kingdom in my people. My people are my church. So I will build my church and my people will expand my kingdom. You got it? He says he's going to build his church. So question, if you're not building what he's building, then that means he's not building what you're building. Could it be that what you're building is so difficult to build because you're not building what he's building? And because he's not involved in what you're building, you're trying to build it yourself, which explains why it's always so hard and you feel like he's not helping you because you're not building something that he's building. See, he doesn't have a problem with you building what you're building, except for the fact that if what you're building is not what he's building and you're not building what he's building first, you're asking him to get in on your project, but you didn't get in on his project. And that's what the Bible says in Ephesians, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he'll receive the same back from the Lord, which means what I make happen for God's church, God makes happen in my life. Come on, open your mouth, say I'm a builder. And I think there's a few of us in this building and online where since you've been building, God has been building. See, before you were working real hard and not making a lot of progress. But once you started building, all of a sudden, business called and found you. All of a sudden, opportunity opened for you. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. For my note take is there's three particular Greek words that are primary Greek words that are used for hell. One is Gehenna, it means hot trash. The second is Tartarus. It deals with the concept of the underworld and the afterlife. Hades means hell. It deals with the underworld. Now, under, say under. Check this out. He specifically says the gates of Hades. Now, what's interesting about the use of Hades here, can I teach you like I want to? What's interesting about the use of Hades here is that Hades is a Greek word, and we're reading something that has been translated into English. So Hades was the original Greek word that was used, but they leave the Greek word that's there instead of changing it into the word hell. Well, it's interesting because the rest of the verse is in English, but they kept the Greek word for Hades there rather than using the word hell, which means he was trying to specifically denote exactly what he was talking about because you do know there is more than one hell. He said, I need you to know that the gates of Hades shall not prevail. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Check this out. The gates of the underworld shall not prevail. Check it out. Which means nothing that's trying to pull you down. Because if you're the underworld, that means you're under me. So that means if you're under me, you're trying to pull me down. So nothing that pulls you down will ever be able to prevail. Your haters won't prevail. People saying that you want too much out of life won't prevail. 
Anything that's trying to pull you down, say this, say the pull down won't prevail. Stay with me, we're almost done, pay attention, here it is. And the gates of Hades, so not prevail against it. Wait a minute, hold up. I thought the church was people. How did we become an it? How did we become an it? Because when we gather together, here's why the pull down won't prevail. Because when we gather together, the enemy can't just mess with you. If he messes with you, he touches it. And it is too much for him to mess with. Let me see if I can check where some of y'all are from. See, there's a concept that says, watch me. If you mess with somebody I love, you mess with me. I need you to let your neighbor know they got back up in the spirit. I need you to let the people around you know they're not out here. I don't care if it's your first time. You are not out there by yourself. Baby, you got some it with you. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. In other words, watch me. If you look back over your life, you will see certain people in your bloodline, certain friends that you grew up. Well, it looks like the pull down did prevail. You ever, has God ever let you see somebody you grew up with and then said, now this is why I separated you? Let me talk over here because this middle section is. You ever ran into somebody? And, and watch me. And when you looked at them, you were like, oh. Watch me. We're the same age, but you've aged. And the Bible says he'll renew my youth like an eagle, which means the older I get, the younger I look. Woo! You better elbow somebody and say, God kept you, God kept you, God kept you. Stop calling yourself old. No, baby, you're refined. You're like a good wine. You get better with time. And as you go up in age, you get better in wisdom. Listen, 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 listen. It says, it says, in the gates of Hades shall not prevail. The pull down won't prevail. If you look back over certain people you came up with, you can look at them, and you're not doing it from a judgmental place or a negative place. You're like, hmm. Woo. You've been living, huh? My God. Which means, pay attention, he lets you see your history. So you would know you are a history. He lets you see somebody you used to date. And you were upset that the relationship ended. But when you look at them now, you thank God. I'm so grateful that God ended that. I had to see my history to know that I was a history maker. I ain't playing with y'all. Lay your hands on yourself say, I'm a history maker. He lets you see that while you were dibbling and dabbling with those trucks, that he snatched, he called you out. Because you were getting ready to be like Pookie Neil. 
Don't sit up in this building and sit up on this stream like you have not had some issues in your past, like you have not had some struggles in your past. See, maybe yours wasn't crack. Maybe yours wasn't cocaine. Maybe yours wasn't marijuana. No, you took NyQuil when you weren't sleeping. But I don't need you judging nobody right now. I need you to give him glory that he called you out. Watch. So, you're a history maker. And there's another man in the scripture that's a history maker. I'm almost done. His name is the Apostle Paul. Apostle, for my note takers, apostle is a Greek word, apostello, which means sent ones. The Apostle Paul used to kill Christians. He used to massacre Christians. In fact, at one point, he presided over the execution of Christians. He was ruthless. And he did it in the name of God. Please hear me. There are certain people who will kill people, not literally, but they will kill their hope, kill their encouragement. They will kill them in the name of God. I rebuke every judgmental, self-righteous, pontificating spirit that makes you think you got a right to tear somebody else down. You are not the moral police. You are not the judge and the jury. It's God's job to change people, not yours. Hear me, Harvest. We will not be a church that judges people. Don't you, don't you, let me clear this up real good. Don't you dare ever in this building, in Atlanta or online, think that you're entitled to judge somebody else. If you want to judge, you need to find you another pastor. If you want to tear other people down, I release you right now. Goodbye. God bless you. Have a good day. Why? We will be a church that fills people up. Because if you're trying to pull them down, that means you're from hell. Because the pull down is from hell. And ain't nobody up in here. Ain't nobody online from hell. We ain't going to pull you down. We're going to lift you up. Elbow somebody say, lift them up, lift them up. Paul, Paul did it in the name, Paul did it in the name of the Lord. Paul did it in the name of the Lord. He thought he was doing the right thing. And then the Bible says the Lord knocks him off of his animal. He was riding one day and the Lord interrupted his ride with an unplanned accident. Pause. Sometimes what you think is accidental is providential. Because it looked like the animal was just tripping. But God says, I made the animal fall so that you watch me could see you wouldn't see when you were busy so I had to interrupt your life to make you pay attention I just want to know if there's anybody grateful for the interruptions I, I'm grateful for the interruptions I'm, I'm grateful for when he knocked me off I, I, I'm grateful for when he pushed some stuff around I'm grateful for when he shut some stuff down thank you he knocks him off of his animal. And he says, Paul, Paul, it's me you're persecuting. Paul ends up going. He submits himself to the ruling apostles, the bishops. He submits himself to them. And then they send him out on a mission. That's what apostle is. They send him out. So he was sent. He didn't just go. See, we got a lot of Christians that went but weren't sent. Talking about the Lord told me. Well, if the Lord told you, he would have told you to do it in order. Because Paul submitted himself. He was gifted, but he was also submitted. We live in a culture now that wants affirmation with no accountability. You want people to celebrate your gifts and talents, but you don't submit them to anyone. So God can't use what he can't cover. 
God can't use what he can't cover. God can't use what he can't cover. As many ideas as you have, you ought to be, you should have been going to space last week instead of Jeff Bezos. But if you don't get your stuff covered, God can never use it. Right, so watch. You sit with me? I said you sit with me? All right, let's go. So here we go. So Paul, Paul couldn't sit on a mission. When Paul goes on his mission, Paul kills the game. Kills the game is a colloquialism that simply means he was amazing. Paul was a beast. Beast, not in the sense of X-Men, the blue beast. Not in the sense of beauty and the beast. A beast like he was bad. But bad and good. Did I lose you? All right. Paul was the man. Like Paul was preaching and like Paul would preach and like people just, I mean, it was amazing. And the word on the street about Paul is this, Acts 17 and 6. Acts 17 and 6 says, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Stop. First of all, how did they know if they're in one city that these men have turned the world upside down? See, sometimes you need to listen to what your haters say. Not to internalize it, but to know your rank. <clears throat> what do you mean, know my rank? What do you mean, know my rank? What do you mean, know my rank? Because, because, because sometimes people who don't like you, the reason they don't like you is because they can see about you what you don't see about yourself. See, 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 watch me. It, I am me. So I only see you. I can't see me. So I don't know how you see me because I see through me. It takes somebody outside of me to point out what's unique about me so that I, oh God. I need you to thank everybody that thought they were trying to hate on you and talk about you. Why? Baby, you just showed me exactly what makes me unique. The, the rumor was, look at all these rumors. You know what? Do you, he don't know it. That's altar call today. Get it ready. I'm just joking. Watch me. The rumor was, watch me. What happens when God starts a rumor about you? What happens when God starts a rumor? The rumor was, these men who have turned the world upside down, they're in Denver now. <clears throat> these men who have turned the world upside down, they're headed to Atlanta. These men who have turned the world upside down. Watch me. They're in Canada. These men that have turned the world upside down. Say your first and last name. And them that have turned the world upside down. Survived the pandemic. Survived coronavirus. Survived the worst. And they are here. Look. They are here also. Now take this out. What does it mean turn the world upside down? If I turn the world upside down, here's what that means. That means, watch me. Come on, forearms. Listen. <laughs> I'm almost to my goal. I got to Wednesday. Listen. And then after that, cheese and bread and mo cheese followed by mo bread followed by a side of cheese with some bread with some mo cheese and butter. Listen. But until then, <sighs> protein. All right, watch. So check this out. Check this out. Check this out. To turn the world upside down means anything I turn upside down. Ladies, you ever taken your back, I mean your purse? Because purses, come on, fellas. These purses now that these ladies got, these are not purses. Some of y'all remember when your mom and them had a purse? It was a purse. These ladies now, they have knapsacks, backpacks. 
They got enough to watch me to take enough food in the theater for the whole family. Listen, I know you don't do that, but they could. I know you don't do that. Don't do that. At least don't have your harvest shirt on when you do it. Listen. Because some of y'all show will say, listen, listen, $4 for a drink. Nah, baby, we're going to go to Sam's and get <laughs> Stop. 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 I'm joking. And I turn it upside down. What does that mean? That means that everything that's in it, I want to get out of it. So here is the story about these guys. Everywhere they go, they maximize it. What would happen is instead of wishing to get out of it, you started wishing to turn it upside down. What if instead of saying, God, I'm ready for this to be over, you said, Lord, show me how to flip this thing over and get everything out of it that I can possibly get. What if instead of saying, God, I can't wait for another job, you said, Lord, show me how to flip where I'm at. Because maybe the reason I'm here is because 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 says this, that we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you, be reconciled to God. What if you're there on assignment? Answer, you are. So check this out. They said these men, they come here also. So these, these are not regular men. These are history-making men. These men make history. And to make history means that you do something that influences history. Watch me. And to make history, I talked to you on Wednesday, let's build what Jesus is building. If you're not building what he's building, then you're not building what he's building, then he's not building what you're building. So we need you to get your hard hat on. Watch me. Wear a hard hat and don't be hard-headed. And let's build what he's building. How do I build it, Bishop? Be a bringer. Be an inviter. See, whenever I have a good meal, I call somebody and tell somebody about it. When I go into a city, one of the first calls I make, I let my, my, my folks know that I, I'm, I've arrived where I need to arrive. I let my team know I'm where I'm at, all that. And then my next call is, where am I eating? Because I hope they don't think these little peanuts and this little walnut, look, that didn't do nothing but make... So the first thing I do, watch me, and I ask somebody that already knows where the food spots are. See, there's some people that keep coming to you and you keep pointing them to you instead of to the church. To make history, let's build what Jesus is building. Look at the scripture, Luke 14, 23. Go into the highways and hedges and compel people to come that my house may be filled. 82% of people say they'd attend church and invited. I know we're in a hybrid world, which means, here's what that means, that we've got online, we've got on campus, more online than even in the building. Thank God for technology, but here's what that means. That means that we've freed some seats up in the building that now we need to fill. <laughs> say, I'm a builder. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, I'm a builder. 82% of people say that they would attend church if invited. So who do I invite, Bishop? You invite everybody. Stop spiritually profiling people. Well, they don't look like they would come. Based on what? Well, they don't look like they, they, they look like they're going to be quiet in church. At one point, you were quiet. And look at you now. We can't stop you. As soon as the door opens, It's okay. Don't spiritually profile people. Everybody's at a different place in their journey and walk with God. And I've watched it as a pastor. I love to watch it because sometimes people, maybe they're trying to fill out the environment, trying to see what's going on, trying to see what's happening. And so listen, they, you know, them praise and worship, they ain't going to do nothing but play praise them, all you people. Play that, play that, play that, play that, play that, play that. 
And then when they get comfortable, then them shoulders. And then when they... Check it out. Everybody's at different places in their walk with God. So stop spiritually profiling people thinking that they need to be at the level you're at when you've not always been at the level you're at. Invite everybody. Everybody's included. Nobody's excluded. Watch me. Even the people where you don't like how they live. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. We ain't gonna do that. Watch me. Don't spiritually profile. Invite everybody. Here's some of the obstacles you may face when inviting people. One, they may say, church just wants my money. Now, that's funny because you don't say that to Walmart. You don't say that to Target. You don't say that to Neiman's. You don't say that to Saks. You don't say that uh, to the little parking meter. Think about it. It's a city. You pay taxes for the roads. You paid for the sidewalk. And now they're going to make you pay to park your car for what you pay for. And I've never seen somebody talk to the machine and say, this ain't right. You just want my money. Now you go to certain malls in the city and they want you to pay the park. When it was the tax breaks we gave you so you could build them. Let's move on. Church just wants my money. Wrong. Jesus in Matthew 16 or Matthew 6 and 21, the Bible says that he traces our treasure to track our heart. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Heart in Bible means your mind. So I track your money to see what's on your mind. So listen, it's just practical. Like you want to come to a comfortable environment. All this stuff stuff costs money. The gospel is free, but to get it to people is not free. The app costs tens of thousands of dollars. Website, tens of thousands of dollars. All that stuff costs money. All that stuff costs money. So check this out. So why would we say that when it comes to God's stuff, well, everything should just be free. But, but you don't have that mentality anywhere else. And God is not, listen, God don't need your money. God wants your heart. And to get your heart, he says, show me the money. It's Bible. And anybody that has a problem with that, can I tell you your real issue? It's not money. It's that you don't love him. Because you wouldn't say that to your spouse. Husbands, you cannot say to your wife, and if you do, I'll see you on Thursday for counseling. You can't say that all you want is clothes. All you want is a purse. All you want is me to get you stuff. Well, if you wasn't going to cover me and I had to cover myself, I didn't. Okay, let me leave this alone. All right. No, it's not that the church just wants your money. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's, it's God's way of doing things. Your increase is in your release. Number two, people say, I don't need to go to church to love God. I just, I, just, I just have my own special thing with God. They're talking to somebody. Now, who we don't know. But wrong. Luke 4, 16 says that Jesus went to church. And do you not know that Jesus didn't just go to church? He served. You know what Jesus' job was in church? He was the reader. For those of you who grew up old school church, remember when they used to do Old Testament, New Testament reading? Okay, let me just go there real fast. If you grew up old school church, they used to say this thing. And they would say, and today's scripture reading will be from, uh, 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 from, sister, uh, from Brother Bobby Jones. Brother Bobby Jones is coming at this time to read the Old and New Testament scripture. And they come... Good morning, saints and friends. We want to give honor to God and to our wonderful pastor, to all of the elders and deacons in their respective places. The word of the Lord reads as thus. You know, they get real deep as thus. In the beginning, 
God. Created the heavens and the earth. The word of the Lord is blessed. Listen. Then the New Testament. Jesus' job, Jesus' job, he was the reader. The Bible says he stood up to read. His job was to read. Every time, that was one of his things. In church, he went to church and served in church. So people say, I'm a Christian, but I just don't do church. We have a problem because that's not Christ-like. I have church hurt. Wrong. Hebrews 10.25 says don't give up on church. Can I be honest with you? The church didn't hurt you. A person hurt you. But can I be even more honest as a shepherd? As a she- can I be honest? Because I've been in church since I was 12 years old. Can I be honest with you? Most of my hurt didn't come, watch me, until I was a shepherd and the sheep started biting. Because sheep have teeth too. And can I be honest with you? I love every sheep that I lead. I love every person that I lead. Can I be honest? But some of y'all, y'all bite and you got a grill. Got gold and platinum. Got you. You got your mouth light and you're just biting, 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 biting. <laughs> it's 11:15. You gotta have fun at church. So no matter if, it, listen, anybody ever been in a car accident? All right. If you still drive after a car accident, can you keep your hand up? Wow. Wait a minute. You still? You can put your hand down. Wait a minute. I thought you got hurt. I thought when you got hurt that you gave up on it. So don't tell me that that's the reason I need for some of you to loose the people that hurt you, loose the people that bound you. Could it be that you needed to get hurt there so God could send you where you needed to be? Don't give up on church. Lastly, people say there's too many hypocrites in church. Wrong. Here's what's funny about me when we say this to me, hypocrites. First of all, most people don't even know what a hypocrite is. Most people say they don't practice what they preach. Well, okay, let's teach because that's not what a hypocrite is. Hypocrite comes from a root Greek word that means to be an actor or an actress. It's not that I don't do what I preach. It's that I don't believe what I preach. I'm acting. That's a hypocrite. So watch me. You may, you may say people ought not do A, but you do A. That doesn't mean you're a hypocrite. That just means you haven't conquered A. It doesn't change A from being right just because you haven't mastered it. You got it? So, but you know what's funny? Um, since February 2nd, I've been in the gym and I've been very open with you all about my transformation, right? And so I lost 95 pounds in the year 2013. I only, praise God, I lost 95 pounds in 2013 and then I was good. Then I set a new fitness goal post-corona because I don't know what happened during corona. Don't y'all look at me like, and they, you've been in sweats way more than you normally been in sweats. And post-corona, I, I went to put on a suit one time. I went to go to Huntsville to preach. And I went to put on that suit. And them pants said, we rebuke you. <laughs> and it was a formal thing. So, so, so I, had to, I had to put on my suit jacket with some, with some jeans. I said, praise the Lord, everybody. Woo, listen, I, didn't have, I, I wasn't able to change. What I didn't tell them is, I wasn't able to change. <laughs> Don't y'all judge me. I'm just keeping it 100. Come on. Ooh, it's a lot of judgment in this middle section. I feel it. <laughs> so I walked downstairs. Everybody was suited and booted. I said, ooh, wasn't able to get changed. They said, oh, no, Bishop, you did a real good job. We know you probably tired. You didn't get a chance just last time. Mm-hmm, God is good. <laughs> God is good. Stay faithful. <laughs> so... 
February 2nd of this year, I started this new thing. As so I was in the gym, and I used to say, I hate the gym. I used to say, God, I don't want to go to no gym. I hate the gym. I lost the weight all natural. Let me just, let me just do it like that. And, and watch me. And sometimes you have to increase what it is that you're doing because what you did is not enough to get results now. So I went in there, and I mean, I remember the first day, you know, I was like, you know, well, give me the black card version of the plan. That's what they call it. And uh, so I went in there, February 2nd, I went in there, and I mean, I was, I just, just drenched. Look like I had just finished preaching the 915, 1115, 115, 315, 515, 715. And I was consistent, and I have not missed since February 2nd. And, and, and by Wednesday, I'm able to go, here's why I'm telling you that. Can I be honest? When I first went in the gym, I mean, I wasn't even doing that much. Talking about, it's a lot of judgment in this middle. I rebuke all of you judges in this middle section. Watch. And, and I noticed something. Everybody in the gym didn't look like the front of men's health. I noticed something. All the ladies in the gym did not look like they were video and camera ready. In fact, some of them, never mind. I just. Here's my point. Saying I don't come to church because everybody ain't right. Everybody don't do right. It's like saying I don't go to the gym because there's unfit people there. Well, we don't go, watch me. We don't get fit to go to the gym. I'm not going to the gym for you. I'm going for me. Watch me. I don't come to church for you. I'm coming for me. So you work out your own salvation. Stop getting in other people's business and looking at other people's lives and well, so-and-so's not really living the word. You live the word. Look at Philippians 2.12. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with a deep reverence and fear. So number one, to make history, what do we have to do? We have to build what Jesus is building. Number two, to make history, devote yourself. Acts 2.42, I got to move fast. And they devoted themselves. Question, are you devoted? So let's build, but now we got to be devoted. To what? Devoted to the apostles' teaching. See, for some of you, you'll get the word, and then you go home, and because you're not devoted to the word, you'll see someone on Instagram that challenges the word, so now you're confused. So, you're, so you'll say, I got confirmation in that message day to proceed. Then you'll look on Instagram. Oh, they say stop. So now you're at a zero place because, watch me, you devoted yourself to the wrong thing. He did not say devote yourself to everybody's opinion. He said devote yourself to what you're being taught because what you're being taught is coming right out of the word of God and the fellowship. That's a Greek word, kononia, which means contributing to the church, but not just money. See, kononia means, listen, whatever I can do to help build, this is what I do. It's part of being part of a community, which means, watch me, I don't just come to harvest, I am harvest, we are harvest, which means, watch me, whatever we got to do to make it happen, Lord, you can count on me. Question, is there anybody in this building online where you can tell the Lord, Lord, you can count on me? You can count then to the breaking of bread and not not like we think of it now listen i like breaking bread let me tell you i like breaking literal bread i gave up dessert i gave up sugar i gave up ice cream i gave up chocolate but i said lord there's one thing i can't give up 
All right, so listen, <clears throat> to the breaking of bread. Here, it means spiritual food. Watch me. What, I, what, what we discover is that sometimes when Christians get together, they don't feast on the word. They don't feast on the message. So here's how it's supposed to go. When you get together with another Christian, y'all get together after church, y'all get together, in the week, whatever you do, y'all on, ooh, especially you, my digital people, because y'all get together on social media and DMs and stuff. So when you do that, the Bible says we're supposed to break the message down. So what did you get out of today's message? It was good. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And what'd you learn about yourself? Still got some growing to do. You may not be where you want to be. Hey. Hey, Bob Hodge, here's what many Christians do. You don't feast on the word. You feast on one another. So what ends up happening is, watch me, you begin to try to size yourself up to the people around you. And so you begin to feast on them. Watch me. Sometimes you'll order DoorDash. What does that mean? You'll begin to feast on other people that are not in the room. What does that mean? You will start to talk about other people. And instead of feasting on the words you got, you're feasting on their life. Girl, did you hear? Ma'am, did you hear? And I need you to shut your gossip down. I need you to shut your backbiting down. Stop talking about people. Fist bump somebody next to you and say, build me up. Don't tear me down. Thank you. Watch me, watch me. And to prayer. They committed themselves to the word. They committed themselves to contributing. They committed themselves to breaking the word down. And they committed themselves to prayer. Take this out. Say, Lord, I'm devoted. And look what happens when you're devoted. Verse 47. When you're devoted, you get a 47. If you do a 42, you get a 47. If you do 42, you get 47. Say that with me. Say, if I'm devoted to 42, I'll get 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Let's pause right there. God says when you are devoted, you are going to have favor with all people. Even the people that do not like you, do not care for you, do not want to see you win. Watch me. For some of you, you're going to walk into your job tomorrow, but they ain't going to treat you the way they did on Friday. You're going to call the place you applied to on Monday, but you're not going to get the same treatment as you did last week. Open your mouth and say, I've got favor. And favor means preferential treatment. And the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. Now look at this. Here's the last point. I couldn't get to it to the 915. We're done. We're done. To make history, third and last point, if you fall, don't stall. <clears throat> here's, here's what happens sometimes, right? in our journey is that we fall, all right? We fall, come here, you're gonna fall, all right? All right, all right, all right. So we don't normally just fall. We normally get knocked down. That's, that's good, that's, that's good. And, and you just keep on falling. Stop, you keep falling. And, and hit, no, 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 you gotta sit down. So dramatic. Listen, they, they practice this stuff, don't they? So when you fall, here's what happens. Most people stay in this position too long. So you've fallen away from church. You've fallen away from God. You had a bad situation in your, your relationship. You had a bad fight. You fall. So what most people do is they stall. What does stall mean? They stay there. 
And if you look on the screen in Acts chapter 14, watch what happens. The apostle Paul, the Bible says some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. Here's what number one creates a fall is when people come against you. Pay attention to the screen. A bunch of people came against Paul, who's a history maker like you and I. And what happens is, watch me, they pull people to their side. So sometimes you'll fall because your support system left. Because who was supposed to be there? Anybody ever had that happen? Who was supposed to be there is no longer there. Then the Bible says they stoned Paul and they dragged him out of the city. Let me get something. Give me something to stone him. But, but you know, not for real, for real. But good, come on. today, I just want to stone him. To, no, that's going to hurt him. Let me have this. He's trying to make me hurt him. Nope. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right, watch. But they stoned him. No, just, just go with it, okay? They stoned him. I, I don't want to throw it at him because I, I don't want nobody sending me no email. <laughs> Watch me. Say they stoned him. They stoned. Who stoned him? Them church people stoned him. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to the side. Then those people stoned him and they, watch me, once they stoned him, then they dragged him out the city. Now, I can't drag you, so you got to participate. You got to participate in your drag. You got you to gotta come on with me. You got to come on with me. All right, all right, that's good. He's doing real good. Y'all get my hand. He's doing real good. Watch me. Thinking he was dead. No, 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 pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. Can I help you? Can I help you? Dr. Luke, who's a Gentile physician, non-Hebrew physician, he writes the book of Acts. Which means he has the ability to, uh, uh, it's reasonable to ascertain, and he's got the ability to discern and recognize whether somebody's dead or not because his very practice and line of work is to be a medical doctor. Can I stretch you here and be very clear? It's, it's not just that they thought he was dead, but that he was dead. Bishop, how in the world do you know that he was dead? Well, if we were to jaywalk over to 2 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 12, verse number 2, the apostle Paul, speaking about himself in the third person, said, I knew a man, whether in the body or not, I do not know, that was caught up into the third heaven. Well, the third heaven is where the throne of God is. The Bible makes it clear that the throne of God is, is where men are judged. It's appointed unto men that die once, then the throne. It's appointed for men to die once, them the judgment. Check this out. So the apostle Paul, literally, he's drugged out and he's stoned and he goes before God. And watch what God does. Y'all be a good church. The, God introduces Paul to every spirit. Bishop, how do you know that? If I was to jaywalk and cut, the, cut across the field to Acts chapter 19, there were seven sons of Sceva. They were trying to cast out some demons, some evil spirits, and the demons respond to those seven sons. Watch what they say. Paul, we know. Wait a minute. When did you meet him? I need y'all to be better than this. When were you introduced to Paul? You were introduced to Paul because after he survived being stoned to death, he came before the throne of God and God introduced him to the spirits. Check this out. So the spirits say this. So watch me. So God says to them, he says, listen, I want to introduce y'all to somebody named Paul. Whatever he says, you obey. If he says leave, go. Paul is going to be, watch me. Paul is about to survive the worst attack of his life. And because he survived it, he's introduced to the spirit realm. Pay attention. I need y'all to hear me. For some of you, watch me, life has stoned you, situations have stoned you, and then not only did they stone you, they drug you. 
They drug your reputation. They drug your name. They did you wrong, but made you feel like you did them wrong. I You've dealt with some narcissists. You've dealt with some sociopathic users and abusers. I want to talk to somebody in the building. But watch me. Paul is introduced to the spirit realm such that in Acts 19, when the demons are introduced and the sons of Sceva, they basically say, listen, we exercise you. We cast you out in the name of Paul, of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Notice the first name they mention. Pay attention. It's not Jesus. They said, Paul, we know. Jesus we know who are you Paul watch me because Paul survived this in Acts 16 when a man named Eutychus a young man drops out of a window and dies Paul walks over and brings him back to life in Acts 19 Paul's handkerchiefs he'd wipe his head throw it on somebody and they get healed matter of fact they would just bring him towels and put them on his body so that they could get what touched him to touch somebody which means there's a level of the anointing where I don't have to touch you it goes virtual for every digital person there's an anointing here where you don't have to be touched this thing goes virtual Watch me, watch me. In Acts chapter 28, in Acts chapter 28, uh, I misquoted earlier, 16, it was Acts 20. In Acts chapter 28, the apostle Paul gets bitten by a viper, a heat-sensing snake. And gets bitten by this viper. He looks at the viper. In other words, Paul was like, you must not know. You think you're going to be what takes me out? Can I help some of y'all? What bit you isn't as big as what you already beat. Paul looks at the viper and he walks over to the fire. He shakes the snake off into the fire. And when he shakes the snake off, the people look at him and say, oh, there must be something about this Paul that we've never seen before. Can I tell you why? I say, if I fall, I can't stall. Let's go back to Acts chapter 14 and close this out. Go back to verse number 19. Go back to verse number 19. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. Division. His support system goes. They stone him. They drag him out. And not just thinking he was dead. We know now he was. But verse 20. But. Y'all making me work too hard now. But, 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 as the believers for you, come over here now. But as the believers gathered around him, Paul couldn't stay stew himself. He needed to get around some believers. And as they started giving God glory, Paul started getting back up. I need everybody on your road to know we ain't letting you fall. We're not letting you stay down. Somebody give God glory right there. Give him glory right there. Give him glory right there. Somebody say, I'm getting back up. Mm, say, I'm getting back up. Look on the screen. Look on the screen. He got up. Pay attention. Pay attention. Because for some of you, I was preaching to pastors yesterday and I shared this little bit with them. I knew my assignment. Let me tell you what God, what he does after he gets you back up. The Bible says he went back into the town. In other words, God says, watch me, you're not going to stay there. I just want them to see that what they stoned to death 
I'm going to take you on a victory lap. It's going to be like you just won the Super Bowl. We're going to have a parade all through the city that tried to kill you. All through the people that tried to kill you. All through the relatives that tried to kill you. I want them to see you standing. And the Lord says that I'm interested in you getting back up again. Open your mouth, shout, get back up again. Stop. Listen, this, this part I couldn't say. I'm through. I'm through. I'm through. I'm through. Look, he goes back in and the Lord parades him. He says, you thought you killed him, but I gave him authority. For some of you, the reason God hadn't released you from Denver is because you haven't finished your victory lap. For some of you online, you want to change your city, you want to change your job, there's stuff you want to change. He says, I'm not changing it until I show you off. And the very people that put their mouth on you are... Watch this next part. I'm done. Then the next day, the next day, he, watch me. Watch me. Then he left with Barnabas, which means God sent him back in the city to show him off, but there's something he needed to get. He needed to get his new crew. Because there's some people around you where you can say, I'm not just excited about my future. I'm excited about... If you're excited about your neighbor's future, we're done 1115, but if you're excited about your neighbor's future, can I just get you to put a praise on it, right? Glory! Glory! You're a history maker. Stoned. Rejected written off but you got back up but you got back up but you got back up say it I got back up say it I got back up say it I got point to somebody say you got back up tell them I'm done if you're in this building or you're online and you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Or secondly, you need to recommit yourself to the Lord. Or thirdly, you're like, Bishop, I don't know where things stand with God. But I want to be sure today, wherever you're at, be sure today. In this building or online. You're a history maker. Even when your support failed, you stood. Even when you, when you had a fall. For some of you, I came to get you out of your stall. I came to get you out of that stall. Today, if you need to become a Christian, recommit yourself, Lord, to be sure. You're like, Bishop, I don't know where things are at with God, but I don't want to log off. I don't want to leave this building before being sure. If you need to become a Christian, recommit yourself to the Lord, wherever you're at, on the count of three. In the building, wave that hand. Online, do the hand wave emoji or say, it's me. No guilt, no condemnation, no shame. Nobody's going to judge you. If you don't get anything I said out of this message today, at Harvest, you're safe. Not perfect, but we're safe. And so for some of you, you need to come to the Lord for the first time. Recommit yourself to the Lord, be sure. On three, God's coming to get you. Don't wait, don't hesitate. One, hands up in this building or online, say it's me or do the heavy emoji. On three, one, two, three. If that's you, respond right where you're at. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Hallelujah.
Everybody, pray this with me, please. I don't care if you went to school with Jesus. Pray this with me. Say, Father, thank you for dying in my place because of this belief and because of this confession. If this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I'm reconnected to you. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I need you to take your phone out. Text the word decision to the phone number on the screen, 877-552-4746. Or there's a QR code. You should be familiar with this now at virtually every place you go do business now. They've got QR code readers. You can bring that up and it'll create a text message for you. Did you make a decision to become a Christian for the first time? Or recommit your life to Jesus? We want to help you make Christianity a lifestyle and not just a hobby. So just text the word decision to the number 877-552-4746. And we'll send simple next steps so you know what to do next. We're praying for you and congratulations. Remember, your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you. In the app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ, and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologist-recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost Water Gel Facial Moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd, only at BJ's.